0: Mary's joy of carrying Jesus was not derived from what was around her. Mary's joy in carrying Jesus was the direct result of what was inside her. We should all strive to be a little bit more like Mary, and we should all work to find joy by carrying Jesus
1: inside of us, regardless of what pain is going on in the world around us. That's the Rev. Dr. Jay Augustine, and today he shares an inspiring message of Advent faith called, The Joy of Carrying Jesus. I'm Dalton Rushing, it's Day One.
0: Welcome to Day One, the weekly program that brings you outstanding preachers from America's historic Protestant churches, sharing insight and inspiration from God's Word for your life. Now, here's your host to introduce today's speaker.
1: I'm your guest host, Dalton Rushing, and today on day one, we're pleased to have with us the Rev. Dr. Jonathan C. Augustine, Senior Pastor of St. Joseph AME Church in Durham, North Carolina. An accomplished author, academic leader, and social justice advocate, Jay also serves as General Chaplain of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity. Before coming to St. Joseph AME, he led historic St. James AME Church in New Orleans. Jay earned his undergraduate degree in economics from Howard University, then served as a decorated infantry officer in the United States Army. He earned his law degree at Tulane University and later his Master of Divinity at United Theological Seminary and his doctor of ministry degree at Duke University. Jay, welcome to day one. Hey, thank you, Dalton. It's a pleasure to be with you, and thank you so much for having me. You have a long list of accomplishments, and I get the feeling you're just getting started. First of all, introduce us to the church you pastor in Durham. What's happening inside and outside the church walls there? Well, you are very kind to say so, and I thank you for it. Uh, St. Joseph is a wonderful faith
0: community. We are very outward-facing in that our mission is to serve the community. Our mission is to welcome people within the doors of the church, but our mission is more so to reach people outside the doors of the church. Uh, we are a social justice institution. Uh, this year, the church is celebrating its 154th anniversary. Mm. Uh, it has been a beacon of hope for so many for so long. Um, I am honored to serve, humbly honored to serve as the church's 31st pastor. Mm. Uh, this is now, the uh, we're approaching the end of my fourth year, uh, going into the fifth year of service. Uh, pastoring through a pandemic, rather, is is not for the faint at heart, mm. so... So every day has not been a day of thanksgiving, uh, but
1: I am certainly thankful for the joy uh, of being able to serve such a wonderful group of folks. Jay, throughout your life, you've been recognized as a social justice advocate, working for the equality of all human beings. You were even awarded President Barack Obama's Lifetime Achievement Award, among other honors. Why is this such an important goal for you, and how are you pursuing this vital work these days?
0: You know, I, um, I approach my service as a pastor uh, through the lens of a lawyer, um, I was uh, I was a civil rights litigator in Louisiana, mm. uh, native of New Orleans. I like to say Louisiana is the Deep South, particularly New Orleans. You go any further south, you'd be swimming, right? So, mm. as an African American who grew up in that climate, I certainly saw uh, 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 injustices up close and personal, mm. uh, and they motivated me to become a lawyer. That was the first calling I like to think of, but I consider myself bivocational, not necessarily because I have a side hustle but bivocational vocational because the good lord called me twice and that second calling to ordain ministry meant that the lens through which i look at a text is not a biblical text is not just a lens of acceptance it's really a lens of interrogation it's a lens to go deeper and see what was going on as the story behind the story and oftentimes in looking through a social justice lens i have seen prophetic leadership in the old testament i certainly have seen prophetic leadership in jesus and I believe all of us are called in the image of Jesus to speak out on behalf of those who have been marginalized, pushed to the social periphery, and to be an advocate for those who need an advocate. So that is that is sort of who I am. That is the way I approach preaching. That's the way I approach my service to the church, uh, uh, my, my academic instruction at Duke. Um, and it, uh, it has worked out pretty well so far. So I'm very proud mm. of the things God has brought me through. And, and I appreciate the optimism you shared at the beginning. I, too, am optimistic that the best is yet to come.
1: You're a member of the Board of Visitors at Duke Divinity School, where you've also taught, and you serve as a missional strategist with the Center for Reconciliation there. What does that work involve? So
0: the Board of Visitors, first and foremost, is, uh, is an advisory board to the dean of the, of the Divinity School. The dean is, uh, is a wonderful human being. Edgardo mm-hmm. Colon is a, uh, is, a, is really, really a humble servant of the Most High. He is a wonderful human being, and it's an honor to serve God with him. I get double duty, a double Mm. opportunity, uh, because in addition to acting as one of his advisors on the Board of Visitors, he has been uh, for years. He's the permanent dean of the Divinity School now, but he had been for years the director of the Center for Reconciliation. Mm. So I still work directly with him in that capacity as he's preparing to transition out uh, and someone else will come in to fulfill that role. Um, But my role and my work as a missional strategist really is recognizing that uh, the church, can do more in its local community, that the Divinity School, that the university can do more in its local community. In other words, your zip code matters. Mm. Duke is obviously a um, an intellectually elite institution uh, in a predominantly African-American city. Um, uh, because of the demographics of Durham, uh, it certainly is plagued with Uh, Housing issues, it's plagued with crime, it's plagued with any number of issues that are the same here in Atlanta and any other major urban area. Uh, But the question becomes what can we do to be a source of uplift and how can we help solve problems uh, rather than simply identifying problems? How can we move towards solutions? So that is part and parcel of what I do as a missional strategist with the Center for Reconciliation. Deliberately, that ministry, and I call the work a ministry, comes through the Center for Reconciliation. Mm. Uh, Because so many people, based on race, based on ethnicity, have lived in in, in factions or or, or very fractured society, uh, and we've been torn apart. So the work of reconciliation is really an attempt to bring people
1: together. Well, let me ask, you're an accomplished author, and your most recent book is When Prophets Preach Leadership and the Politics of the Pulpit, just out from Fortress Books. And last year, Baker Academic published your book, Called to Reconciliation, How the Church Can Model Justice, Diversity, and Inclusion. So let me ask you about that one. How can churches model reconciliation? Can you give us a summary overview? Absolutely. The the book
0: begins with, and I'll use it as a metaphor to kind of tie the two books together. The book begins with a story about my favorite food on the planet. Hmm. I mentioned to you I'm from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I love gumbo. Mm-hmm. Gumbo in this day and age in 2023. Uh, has got to be different from the melting pot of yesteryear. Mm. The melting pot of yesteryear spoke, I think, to uh, a narrative of assimilation Mm. and melting down your your full authenticity in order to fit in. And that's much of what America was about. Mm. In this day and age, however, as we talk about what are your pronouns, as we identify Mm. people for their full and affirm them for whoever God made them to be, gumbo for me is special because... Shrimp can be shrimp, okra can be okra, chicken can be chicken, and there is no competition with those ingredients against one another. Those ingredients, those diverse ingredients, complement one another. So Call to Reconciliation is really rooted in bringing people from different backgrounds together, following the mosaic of... Uh, 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 the apostolic origins of diversity as they began in the church, Mm. recognizing that the church had been uh, lived in factions because of social habits that were ours, not God's. Uh, But it certainly gives advocacy, but it gives an opportunity for us to look at one another more through the lens of uh, uh, reconciling the differences than focusing on the differences as things that would tear us apart. Um, The book looks at reconciliation in a threefold context, and this ties directly into When Prophets Preach. Uh, there is salvific reconciliation, there is social reconciliation, and there is civil reconciliation. Very briefly, to address the three, salvific reconciliation: if you can imagine the uh, uh, the two axes of the cross or the, the image mm-hmm. of the cross of Christ, salvific reconciliation is the vertical axis. It's the it's the up-down relationship. We all are uh, reconciled in our relationship with God mm-hmm. through the blood shed by Jesus. Um, but Jesus didn't just die. Jesus also lived. Mm. So the way he lived is an exemplar of social reconciliation because it says we are reconciled to one another. We are equal to one another because of Jesus. Mm. Then civil reconciliation is a close cousin, if not a sibling, to social reconciliation because prophetic leadership, uh, it's no it's no coincidence. The civil rights movement was led by ministers. Mm. Prophetic leadership says, If we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all people, I'm deliberately saying people, are created equal, uh, then all must mean all. And prophetic leadership is when you challenge uh, uh, the status quo. Prophetic leadership is the ethical mandate to uh, 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 to, to be an agitator, to make sure that Mm. everyone has a place at the table. So that prophetic leadership, what I call civil reconciliation, called a reconciliation, lifts up Martin King as the exemplar of it. Are the primary exemplar of it. Um, but in When Prophets Preach, it goes deeper in looking at prophetic leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it begins with, the second book, When Prophets Preach, begins with the monas triplex doctrine and looking at uh, Jesus as the perfect exemplar of leadership as a prophet, as a priest, and as a king or as a royal in non-gender specific terms. Um, royal leadership, this is the direction in which we're going to go, come follow me. Um, priestly leadership is conciliatory. It's visiting the sick, it's burying the dead, it's baptizing, be it infants as a Methodist or or uh, those who are of able age and discretion as a Baptist or what have you. Um, but the prophetic leader mm. is the one who challenges the status quo, is the one who speaks truth to power, or as I like to say, speaks truth to institutions of power. Mm. The Old Testament has many examples of prophetic leaders, but Christ, I believe, was the primary example of prophetic leadership when you really look at Luke four eighteen, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and what I will call Jesus's trial sermon. Mm. He addresses in our contemporary language what we may talk about as um, a lack of health care. He addresses mass incarceration. He addresses social ills. And he does so with the mandate or with an ethical mandate of someone of faith. Mm. So I like to say that Jesus came not just to usher in salvation in the kingdom to come, but he came to address social inequities in the kingdom at hand. And that's really what When Prophets Preach is all about. It's, it it takes politics uh, separate and apart from partisanship, and it says that we all should be political because we all should care about the affairs of the city. We mm-hmm. all should care about human equality. and uh, And that
1: really is the main line of the book. Jay, you mentioned Luke. We're in the season of Advent, and on this third Sunday, your sermon focuses on the very moving and empowering song of Mary— Captured in Luke chapter 1. Would you read it for us? Luke 1,
0: verses 46 through 55. According to the New Revised Standard Version, you find these words. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. And sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham,
1: and to his descendants forever. Those are such profound and beautiful words. I wonder what stood out for you here as you prepared your sermon.
0: Luke, number one, I approach reading it from the perspective that it is a gospel written for the marginalized Mm -hmm. or a gospel that specifically lifts up those who have been cast to the social periphery. Um, Luke does a great job at the beginning of this gospel in portraying vast social differences between Mary and her well-to-do cousin Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. Uh, In looking at Mary's situation, As someone who is pregnant, someone who is not yet married, someone who has no marketable skills, prior to verse 46, Mary went through some very difficult things. She had to have because she's human. But things change in verse 46 because of her perspective. Mm. So I saw a great contrast between Mary's social status and Elizabeth's social status. And I attempted to bring that to bear in the sermon our, our worth should never be measured on material things, mm-hmm. and the joy we should have from carrying Jesus is not marked by that which we can see. It is really marked by that which is inside of us. So Mary's perspective changed, and she had joy in carrying Jesus physically on
1: her inside. All of us should have joy in carrying Jesus spiritually on our inside, too. Well, Jay, we look forward to hearing your message on this passage. It's called The Joy of Carrying Jesus. Thanks for sharing it with us. Thank you for having me. It's a joy. If you'd like to listen again to today's program with Jay Augustine with an extended interview, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app to Day One Weekly Program, or you can stream or download it on our website at dayone.org. And if you'd like a free printed sermon transcript, just call us at 404-815-9110.
0: It's now week three of Advent, and in the spirit of the word Adventus, this is supposed to be a celebratory season as we joyfully anticipate the coming of Jesus. What if, however, you had to be deliberate and work at getting to joy? What if it seemed as though the people around you had reason to have joy, but joy was really the last thing on your mind? What if, rather than feeling excitement, you really felt despondent? What if it seemed like the people around you had joy, but in looking at your circumstances, you really are trying to avoid pain? What I'm suggesting is that the real joy is a matter of perspective, and sometimes we have to dig deep down to find it. Real joy can't be determined by what's on the outside, because real joy can only be determined by what's on the inside. Real joy is not valued by what's in our bank accounts, Real joy is measured by what's deposited in our spirits. Real joy should never be qualified based on what type of car we drive. Real joy should really be determined by what's driving our hearts. So what I'm suggesting is that based on most social determinations of how we measure joy, Mary had every reason to be in pain. But Mary's joy of carrying Jesus was not derived from what was around her. Mary's joy in carrying Jesus was the direct result of what was inside her. As we begin this third week of the Advent season, we should all strive to be a little bit more like Mary, and we should all work to find joy by carrying Jesus inside of us, regardless of what pain is going on in the world around us. If you hear me saying nothing else, hear me saying this. All of us are just a little bit like Mary because all of us should have a joy that comes from carrying Jesus. When we look at the text, we're preaching from the popular story that is often called the Magnificat or Mary's song, as Mary describes her feelings of unspeakable joy. If we're willing to look just a little deeper than face value, however, we realize that the time we see Mary's joy in verse 46, Mary's been through a whole lot of pain in verses 1 through 45. Now, there's always a story behind the story, and this story is no exception to that rule. Luke tells us in verses 1 through 45 about differences between Mary and Elizabeth that take a dramatic turnabout based on Mary's perspective in verse 46. While Charles Dickens writes about a tale of two cities, Luke writes a tale of two fortunes and a contrast between cousins. He highlights differences between a have and a have not as he makes plain the dividing line of status between Mary and her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth is older. Elizabeth is stable. Elizabeth is not just married. Elizabeth is well-married, as her husband Zechariah is a leader in the Jewish community by virtue of his service as the temple priest. Luke also paints a clear financial picture by describing Elizabeth and Zechariah as living in the hill country of Judea, which is probably code for the fact that they are well-to-do, and well-established members of society. Now, Mary, on the other hand, is no Elizabeth. She's not so well-to-do. She's probably more so in a desolate situation. Mary is only a teenager, and there's no indication that she has a job or has any source of economic support. There's no indication that she has any marketable skills, and because she lived in a patriarchal society, she was probably marginalized because of her gender. To make matters worse, Mary is engaged to Mary Joseph, meaning she's not married Joseph yet. And they haven't yet slept together. How then could she possibly tell him that she's pregnant? Mary found herself in the midst of what I call a situation, but all of us are to be able to identify with Mary because all of us have been in a Mary-like situation too. You've had to deal with a problem that was not the result of your doing, and you've had to deal with an issue that was simply dropped in your lap. You, too, have felt like an outlier based on someone else's standards, but you, too, had enough faith to put your trust in God. Oh, God does God's best work when we find ourselves in the midst of situations, because when it seems like all hope is lost, that's when God shows up. Now, with an understanding of the story behind the story, we can now look at this story through the lens of conflict and complication before things start to unfold and before things start to make sense. Now, the conflict is still before verse 46. There's a conflict between the natural and the supernatural because after the angel Gabriel visits Mary, it was natural for her to raise the question, why is this happening to me? Meaning, before Mary gets to the joy of carrying Jesus, Mary must have said in a very real terms, I can barely feed myself, let alone another mouth. So why is this happening to me? Mary must have asked, How am I going to tell Joseph I'm pregnant with a child that he knows is not his? Why, God, is this happening to me? God, According to Jewish law and custom, Joseph could very well have me put to death for dishonoring our engagement. And I haven't done anything wrong. Again, why, God, is this happening to me? Oh, all of us are just like Mary because all of us have been in a Mary-like situation where we, too, haven't done anything wrong. And we, too, had to stop and ask the question, why is this happening to me? Why, God, as I'm trying to get insurance coverage to take care of my family, is this man on the line giving me some mumbo jumbo about a pre-existing condition? People are dying, and I'm trying to pay my fair share to make sure my family does not join that number. So, God, why is this happening to me? Why, God, after having sacrificed so much for my spouse, did things go so wrong in my marriage? Why, during an economic downturn, as everybody is cutting back at work, has my money gotten funny? And my change has gotten strange, as I've had to still buy Christmas gifts. Oh, it's no laughing matter, because again, I'm in a situation where I've had to rob Peter in order to pay Paul. What I'm suggesting is that, regardless of the specifics of what your situation might be, all of us have been in a situation like Mary, because all of us have had to ask... Why, God, is this happening to me? But here, there's good news. When, not if, when we find ourselves in a Mary-like situation, the good news is that uh, we don't have to always understand God. Mm -hmm. All we have to do is trust God, especially when it's natural to wonder, why is this happening to me? Now, After Mary's initial conflict, things move to complication because before Mary gets to the joy of carrying Jesus, Mary has to learn a very important lesson. That which is impossible for man is always possible for God. As Mary seeks out Elizabeth, Mary is already confused about how, as a teenage virgin, she could possibly be pregnant. That's when she really gets confused as complication exceeds her comprehension when she learns that Elizabeth, her much older cousin, is pregnant too. This is the same cousin Elizabeth who for years and years the family believed it was medically impossible for her to conceive. This is the same older cousin Elizabeth who at this stage in life everyone believed her well had run dry. So Mary was in a state of confusion because before she got to the joy of carrying Jesus, she simply couldn't understand how that which was impossible for man is always possible for God. But somebody out there has been a little bit like Mary because you too have been in an impossible situation. And but for God, your situation was unexplainable, too. Oh, even though money may have gotten funny, and change may have gotten strange, and even if your credit was creepy, you still pulled a rabbit out of your hat and took care of your family because that which is impossible for man is always possible for God. Can I tell you that as a praying pastor, I've been in a few hospital rooms when other people were ready to throw in the towel, and the doctor was ready to call the coroner. But the people of faith believed enough to call on the name of Jesus. So if somebody is trying to understand the moving miracle that is your life, just tell them that which is impossible for man is always possible for God. When somebody tries to understand the impossibility of your situation and your trust in a living God, tell them God is a provider. God is a healer. God is a deliverer. God is a warrior. God is a conqueror. God is a sustainer. And God is a savior. And because God is God all by God's self, tell him that which is impossible for man is always possible for God. Now, that's the joyous perspective that Mary had when we get to this part of Luke's Advent story. That's the perspective Mary had based on everything that occurred in verses 1 through 45. But now, as we get to verse 46, everything has changed. It's at this point in the text that God decides to flip the script. As Mary realizes God has turned her so-called lemons into lemonade, and God literally turns Mary's frown upside down. God reoriented Mary's thinking. Just as Mary was dealing with the complication of her incomprehension, she began to realize well before they celebrated the very first Christmas and well before any gifts were put under any tree, the greatest gift that could ever be given was already inside of her and God had chosen her to give that gift to the entire world. Oh, all of us should learn something from Mary because all of us should realize that the source of real joy Is not something that comes from the outside. The source of real joy comes from carrying Jesus on the inside. Oh, somewhere I read, a greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Mary has joy in carrying Jesus because she realizes that real joy doesn't come from what's in your bank account. And real joy doesn't come based on whether you own or rent. Real joy isn't based on whether you itemize your taxes on a 1040 or whether you do a short-form 1040-EZ. Mary has joy because she realizes that God looked at her potential and paid no attention to her possessions. God didn't look at the clothes on her back. God instead looked at the quality of her heart. God looked past Mary's faults, and God instead saw... Mary's needs. Mary has a real joy in carrying Jesus because in the midst of her situation, Mary opened up herself to the true spirit of Advent. She allowed herself to experience new things in her personal relationship with God. And I'm willing to bet that Mary isn't the only one who has joy in carrying Jesus because Mary isn't the only one who knows the true meaning of Christmas. It isn't about what's under the tree. The true meaning of Christmas is about what's in your heart. Uh, no matter how many commercials you've seen that every kiss begins with K and no matter how many commercials show a car wrapped in a big red bow, the real joy of carrying Jesus comes from realizing that God's gift is already inside of you and you ought to want to share that precious gift with somebody else. All of us should strive to be a little bit more like Mary because all of us should be expecting and that we're expecting a blessing from God with the understanding that we should also share God's blessing with somebody else. All of us should be like Mary and have joy of carrying Jesus because the songwriter is right. Jesus really is the center of our joy. I want to close now. By going back to where I began, I shared an evolution of Mary's thought from where she was before verse 46 to how she reached a place of joy after her perspective changed. You may be in a position now where it feels like your life is before verse 46 too. Sometimes you have to be deliberate to move past the immediacy of your circumstances to recognize that the joy of carrying Jesus has much less to do with what's on the outside. Instead, it has everything to do with what is on the inside. There really is a special joy in carrying Jesus. Precious God, we thank you for this opportunity to glorify your name by focusing on that which is inside of us, we all should have joy in carrying Jesus. So, dear God, regardless of what circumstances look like, regardless of what family is present or what family has already transitioned to be with you, please give each of us a Mary like spirit so we too can have joy in recognizing that the greatest gift that's ever been given is already inside our hearts. Thank you, God, for the blessing of your Son Jesus. Thank you, God, for this Advent season because joy is not on the outside. Joy is on the inside. Amen.
1: Our preacher today was the Rev. Dr. Jonathan C. Augustine, Senior Pastor of St. Joseph AME Church in Durham, North Carolina. For a free transcript of Jay's sermon for the third Sunday of Advent, The Joy of Carrying Jesus, call us at 404-815-9110. That's 404-815-9110. Or write to us at Day 1, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. Please keep in mind that Day 1 depends on the financial gifts of faithful listeners like you. Send your special gear end donation to Day 1, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305 or donate online at day1.org. We're grateful for your help at this important time of the year. And remember to listen again to today's program, read the sermon transcript, search the sermon archives, and much more. You can visit us online at day1.org. This is Dalton Rushing. Next time on Day One, we're honored to have with us the Rev. Jason Michelli, head pastor of Annandale United Methodist Church in Annandale, Virginia. His powerful sermon for the fourth Sunday of Advent is titled Veiled in Bread, the Godhead Sea. Be sure to join us next week on Day One. Day One preacher Jay Augustine offers some final reflections on his sermon today, The Joy of Carrying Jesus. And Jay, thank you for your powerful Advent message. You pointed out that Advent is the season where we anticipate the coming of Jesus with joy. But you asked, what if joy is the last thing on your mind? What if you're dealing with pain or depression? That's a common reality for many, particularly at this time of year. You said real joy is a matter of perspective, and sometimes we have to dig deep down to find it. Real joy can only be determined by what's on the inside. Before we get to Mary, what might you say to someone listening to us now about how they can dig deep down to find the joy inside? This season is really
0: paradoxical. Uh, Number one, I think studies show uh, there's less daylight, and that can lead to Mm -hmm. depression. There are the economic pressures of, in many cases, trying to live with the Joneses, or I like Mm -hmm. to say keep up with the Kardashians, Mm -hmm. in uh, in purchasing items and and trying to uh, focus on uh, uh, the attainment of happiness through tangible things Mm -hmm. or through material things. So my interpretation of this text and the way I look at Mary's social status, particularly in comparison to her well-to-do cousin Elizabeth, is that joy can never be measured by what's on the outside. Mm -hmm. True joy is measured by what's on the inside. So as we all attempt to dig deep, we're living in in an amazing world with so much conflict going on. It takes real deliberate effort to focus on the goodness, counting our blessings, the many, many things in spite of circumstance that God has done, that Jesus, ways in which Jesus has manifested in our lives, because we all have been blessed in so many ways. If we're willing to do like Mary and to reorient our thinking and to look at the
1: beauty of Jesus inside of us. In Mary's case, regardless of the pain and fear she was in the midst of, she found her joy within. She was carrying Jesus. And you said we, too, can work to find joy by carrying Jesus inside of us, regardless of our life circumstances. All of us are just like Mary, you told us, because all of us can experience a joy that comes from carrying Jesus. So would you say more about how we carry Jesus within us and how we share Jesus around us? It is a great gift, or that
0: is a great gift that was given to Mary in the physical Jesus she carried, but all of us have inherited that gift because all of us carry the spiritual Jesus. Mm. It is incumbent upon us, just like she gave birth uh, uh, to the greatest gift that the world could ever have, it's incumbent upon us to share that great gift with others. We share it in our attitudes, we share it in the way we speak, we share it in our perspectives. We share it even when we may feel downtrodden by, by being deliberate in finding joy inside of ourselves. And that will show in how we interact with others. So if nothing else, this time of year can be filled with pressures, but this time of year really should be filled with introspective reflection on the great things God has done in our lives. That's Mary's perspective when you get to verse 46, rather. She's focusing on the goodness mm-hmm. that's
1: inside of her, and all of us should focus on that goodness too and share it with others. Jay, what's one thing from your sermon today that you hope our listeners will carry with them in the days ahead?
0: Christmas can be rough. Mm. We have been through a pandemic where God called a lot of people home. So rather than thinking about or focusing on who is not at the dinner table, focus on what we do have. Mm. Focus on the blessing of Jesus that is inside of us. We should have joy if we focus on the intimacy, on the goodness, and on the perfection of our Lord we all are moving to a more perfect state. That should be our deliberate attempt to be like Christ and to be like Mary, quite frankly, and share the joy of Jesus.
1: Jay Augustine, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. It's such a joy.
0: Day One is the voice of America's historic Protestant churches. Visit us online at dayone.org. Our program is recorded and edited by Donald Jones and produced by Peter Wallace. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sherry Miller wishing you all God's blessings on day one and forever.